0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is Yaneli Joyce, and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. We can read from Matthew chapter 19, verses 25, and then... Chapter 20, up to chapter 20, verse 16. Matthew nineteen twenty-five to chapter 20, verse 16. Her brother Vince has been gracious enough to agree to read it. Okay, Matthew 19, verse
1: 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying... And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me, Ferdinarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first. And the first, last.
0: So here we see a quite a long passage. Uh, in fact, the uh, the original Bible did not have uh, verses and uh, verse numbers and, and chapter numbers. So this is one long passage that we are seeing. Uh, so the, it all starts with this rich young ruler coming to Jesus. And we are very familiar with the story. And he... And he, and Jesus asks him to go and sell everything and then follow me. And then he had a lot of possessions and he was refusing to do that. So he, he was, Jesus told him that as a prerequisite to following him, he had to leave what he was holding on to. He, he had to forsake everything to follow him. And then hearing this, the disciples were amazed because they were wondering who can be saved? Like who is able to forsake everything? Is it possible? Uh, It is not at all possible that Jesus agrees and says, yes, it is impossible for a man, but it is possible for God. But immediately after that, we see Peter saying that we have left everything and we have followed you. Peter is making a claim that he has done the impossible. He's saying there, you know, we have left everything, what will be our reward? But he, he's being very euphemistic. What he's trying to say is, I have left everything, what is my reward? So to this, Jesus is responding. And he is first giving a few things. Jesus tells about the reward, and then he gives a parable. What exactly is happening here? Uh, the first shall, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. First of all, we see in this parable about a landowner who is going out to hire uh, laborers for his vineyard. So he hires people at 6 o'clock in the morning, then at 9 o'clock, then at 12 o'clock noontime, then he goes again at 3 o'clock, and then finally at 5 o'clock, he hires the last bunch of people, and the work would get over by 6 6 o'clock, obviously. So, what is the theme of this parable that we read? This parable, first of all, sometimes we can get confused or uh, some have wrong interpretations about this when we look at it from the perspective of salvation or reward. Actually, this passage that we, the parable that we are, we, we see here in chapter 20, it's, it's not about salvation because if it is about salvation, then you can earn your way. That according to this passage. But here, uh, you cannot earn your salvation. And also this parable is not about rewards because in in Paul, God reminds us through Paul in, in the book of uh, Corinthians that uh, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So this passage is also not talking about what reward we are going to get. But what is this parable talking about? It is talking about the right attitude of service to God what is the attitude that uh, men should have when they serve god basically we are seeing two kinds of people in this whole passage one group who have a uh, who have an agreement a contract between uh, the landowner and another group who just trust the landowner and go and work in his vineyard vineyard is a, a it's it's a big business it's a very labor intensive uh, work uh, you would you would need quite a lot of people at certain times for for preparing for harvesting and things like that. So this uh, landowner goes out and in between we see this, there's a whole framework for the parable. Every parable has a framework uh, that kind of holds the parable together, the story together. Some some parts of the parable may not have a specific meaning. It is just to hold the passage together. So we should not go down the rabbit trail and, and nitpick every small word or detail in a parable, but instead we should see the whole picture. So we see the progression of events here. First of all, we see the lab, the landowner going out to hire uh, servants. The first group we see in, in verse two, uh, that he goes at 6 a.m. and he agrees with the laborers for a denarius for the day. King James says a penny, but a denarius might be more uh, meaningful to understand because it's a day's wage. Uh, so a penny in modern terms might uh, not seem so much to us, but a denarius is quite a large amount for in in in, in Roman uh, currency. So the first group is agreeing to it. What does it mean to agree to a wage? It means that the first group, the early workers, they are have negotiating with the landowner. We will work for this much. Landowner says, okay, we, I'll give you this much and then finally agree upon something. In other words, there's a contract between the landowner and the laborers. So here we we see them strike a deal and then they go out to work. But the remaining groups of people that we read, those who were hired at nine o'clock, at noontime, three o'clock, and the last group, they did not have a contract with the master, with the landowner. The, the landowner says there, I will give you whatever is right in verse four. Whatever is right, I will give it to you. And the laborers uh, they said, okay, yes, we trust you. We, we will, we will work and we trust that you will give us. And they go and work. And evening comes and the, the owner tells the steward to call them. So obviously the steward has no specific meaning in this passage. It's just a, A filler over there, but we see that the he is distributing it from the last to the first. So we can kind of see see how it how it plays out. The they are standing in a queue. The last uh, workers are standing in front, and the steward gives them a denarius. So the first group. They forgot that they had an agreement for a denarius and they saw the last group get one denarius and they thought, okay, they worked for one hour. They got a denarius. So since we work for 12 hours, we are going to get 12 denarius. Well, that's quite, that would be quite a nice amount. But to their uh, utter dismay, the second group come in and they, they worked at say three o'clock. So they worked for, uh, for less hours so they count like that and they kind of proportion their their what and they expect their expectations start to go lower and lower and they see that oh no the guys who worked at noontime they've got six stars they got a denarius now we will only get um how much just two denarius that's it. So they, they they start to feel a little sad, and finally they get just a denarius, and they are so angry at the at the landlord and uh, at the landowner. So there are there is an interesting uh, fact that we see regarding their disappointment. There are two things that we see: they had wrong expectations; they had very wrong expectations. The problem is if we enter into life with ex- expectations. Even when our expectations are satisfied, we will not be happy. We will not be happy, even if our expectations are met. But if we enter into life trusting God, we will indeed be happy. As we uh, stand for the Lord, if we are standing based on expectations that God will give me this much, God will give me that much, we might feel discouraged at times. But if our service to Him is not based on some criteria of I, I I deserve this much, then we would indeed be joyful. Another thing that we see about the first group of workers is that they start comparing with the others, start comparing with the others. We see, uh, first of all, in the life of Peter in the previous chapter, Peter is looking at this rich young ruler walking away with, with drooping shoulders and he he immediately starts comparing. Wow, that man went away. Look at look at me. I have stood for the Lord. I have forsaken everything. That man cannot forsake. That man could not forsake everything, but I have forsaken everything. He starts comparing with another person. And most of the time, the the disappointments that we have is because when we compare with another believer, his in reality, his circumstances are different. The way he has grown up is different. The way his life experiences are different. Yet sometimes we try to Compare and say and say and say that. Look at me. I'm I'm better. I'm better than the other person. And the, the, in fact, the, the the attitude is similar to that of the Pharisees, what the first group of believers had. And at this moment, Peter had to. The Pharisees also thought that they deserved something better, and they could not accept the fact that Jesus had accepted sinners. Jesus, how could Jesus accept sinners when we are the holy people out here? We fast, we pray, we give alms to the poor, we tithe in even the smallest of things. And how could Jesus accept them and not accept us? The question is, with what attitude are we coming before God? Since the early days of mankind, this has been the attitude To compare with another person. We see Cain also doing the same thing there. Cain is comparing. God was not pleased with Cain or to his sacrifice. We see that. Cain and to his sacrifice. But Cain is comparing. Instead of examining his own life. He's comparing to Abel. And he gets envious and finally he commits murder and sin was lurking at the door over there. In Christian life also, if we compare to another believer, to how God uses another person and we start rating ourselves based on another person, then there is danger involved in that. Then there's danger of bitterness involved in that. We will be angry at God or we can be, we can be frustrated at things. But instead, if you trust that the Lord will do me good at all times, then we can have that rest and peace in him the 11th hour workers we did not see that they complained the people who were hired throughout the day did not compare. the only ones who had issue was the early worker were the early workers they are the ones who felt that they deserved more than this the the remaining workers just felt grateful that they got an opportunity to work and they got a wage they were grateful, they were grateful. The landowner's reaction shows that his sovereignty over things, he is, he is explaining that he's justifying his stand. Landowner says, I can, I can do what I please. Who are you to question me? I have been just to you. The landowner was in no way unjust to the people. They made an agreement, they got it. The others trusted, and they also got it. And but one group who, who made the agreement, who came to the landowner on their own terms and conditions were completely dissatisfied. But those who trusted in him and had no terms and conditions, but they worked, they were, they went away joyful. There, let's uh, see the context again. We see how Peter is thinking that he had Somehow volunteered to follow Jesus. He felt that by his own ability, he thought, "Okay, I'll follow him." And his own, and he he had made the great effort, and he had done a great deal in following Jesus. In fact, he forgot that it's actually God who brings people to Him. Jesus said that no one can come to Me unless a Father draw Him. God is righteous. In fact, uh, we see in in Romans chapter 9 that here God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. In the matter of salvation, his grace and mercy are given to all those who throw themselves upon him and not to the self-righteous. So when someone comes to Christ, they understand this fact that they cannot earn their way into heaven and the goodness of God leads them to repentance. So if there's anyone who is listening who has not yet uh, given themselves to Christ, but the goodness of God is leading you to repentance, I would encourage you to believe in the Lord and accept him just as you are, not with conditions. But to accept, but to go before Him, and God will accept uh, you just as you are. In fact, that is the good news of the gospel, which every believer has understood that God has accepted us. But the problem with mankind in general is the fickleness of the human heart. First, we come to Him, understanding that it is not our ability. But as time goes by, we for- we we can forget this fact that God has accepted not. Based on our abilities, not based on any terms and conditions that we put forward, but we had humbled ourselves and thrown ourselves upon the loving Savior, and He was gracious enough to accept us just as we were, while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. But as time goes by, sometimes we we can tend to think, now I have reached a stage where I can do some things. It is my ability to. To do things, you know, a simple example is sometimes when we see uh, an employee gets hired, he's willing to work and he humbles himself and willing to work for whatever wage and things like that. But once he gets a job after some time, he starts, he wants, wants to strike a bargain. He wants to, wants a better thing. He demands things and we have all kinds of demanding that goes on. In the beginning, there's nothing. He's willing to accept. But after some time, he feels that he is worth more. This might not be a perfect example because in the world we find imperfection. But in the case of the kingdom of God, we can see that this this kind of an attitude cannot work because we, we have been accepted in Christ. We are kept in Christ, not because of our abilities. It is because of his or his grace and his grace alone. Peter was trying to strike a bargain here. We have left everything. Now what What will I get? Or I have left everything. He said he's attempting a cost benefit analysis. I left this much. I better get a lot more. In the Old Testament, we read about Jacob also in the beginning of his life. He says, if you bless me, here are my terms and conditions. Jacob knew God, but yet he did not. Surrender completely, he had his own terms and conditions when we come to Christ, we cannot often claim that our heart was completely his. Maybe no, no human can say that we deep down we have some soulishness in us that God is so gracious enough to reveal to us in the selfishness of a human heart, even in the best of our desires to obey him we have got very subtle selfish motives. In the way we serve him, we we tend to want some reward out of it. Jesus is warning Peter in this parable, how do you know that you will get anything? Beware of your overconfidence in, in what you claim to have done. Because if you think that you are First in your own eyes, you might end up last. Peter obviously got the message later on. It took some time. He got the, he understood the message. In in our own lives also, it takes time. But God allows circumstances in our lives where He is so gracious enough that He reveals it to us. the first group did not rejoice that the others had got something this is one a clear evidence of whether we are serving christ based on our terms and conditions or we are trusting in him the first group could not tolerate the others getting equal benefits oh how could that brother be blessed so much you know spiritually how could he uh, he know, know about God so much. I deserve better. I deserve to be treated better. There are all kinds of very funny ways in which the heart works. Because deep down, there is this self-exaltation against which we have to fight. The pride in the human heart where we have to humble ourselves. We can We cannot pray to God, Lord, humble me. God can humiliate us, but God cannot humble us. Because that is something that we have to do ourselves because Bible clearly says that God says it multiple times that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Something that we have to do ourselves daily in our lives, in our walk, in our talk, in our actions, in our thoughts, that we humble ourselves. <clears throat> it actually reveals the, the true heart of the first, the First workers, the early workers, their attitude, their true character—they were selfish. They, whenever we find a complaining servant of God, we know that a person has not yielded to the will of God. Oh, look at me! I have done this much for the Lord. There's so much of problems in my life. There is so much of, in fact, there is so much of self pity. But a, a person who serves God out of love for Him will be joyful in the midst of anything. There are three rewards that are mentioned here. And those three rewards are quite interesting because they seem like a paradox. Jesus says that you will have thrones, but we know that in heaven, before the king of kings, before his throne, the others on their thrones will get off, fall down and bow down 24 seven. So the throne, the meaning of throne is a little different from what Peter might have expected the concept of a throne. The second uh, reward that's mentioned is hundredfold. They'll receive a hundredfold. And in, in Mark's gospel, we read that the hundredfold is actually persecution. And third thing is you'll receive eternal life. So the rewards that are mentioned also do not align to the, the earthly understanding of a reward. What is the right motive to serve God? In Ephesians 6 6 we read not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, not with eye service, not not trying to serve as if you know I, I, just to show others or serving just for the for wrong motives. After the end of everything, after we stand for the Lord. We should be able to say, so you too, when you have done all things which are commanded you, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Instead of asking, what can I get out of God? We should ask what God can get out of my life. Because after all, we have got enough and more from him. Even for argument's sake, we know that every good gift and every perfect gift we have received from the Father of lights. Ultimately, we look to the cross and we see the ultimate the gift that we have received. Many of us uh, spoke about that today. We were reminded of the cross that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him us for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He's given us all things. And we see our Christ, our Lord. He gave everything. And he gave it for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He gave it all for us. So the question is not, what reward can I get? The question is, he deserves everything. He's worthy of all glory and honor, power and praise. We are reminded of that uh, hymn. where the whole realm of nature mind that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next time.